Welcome to the Starry-Eyed Effect. I'm Brendan. And I'm Jen. On this podcast, we'll be chatting about all things Williams Syndrome. Ups and downs, and what it's like living with Williams Syndrome. We're excited to share our community with you. Thanks for being here. Yes, put that in the recording, but this isn't awkward at all. Hello, everybody. There, it's not awkward at all. It is a magic hat I found. Oh, yes. Oh, buddy. Hey, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you guys. Yeah, you too. You too. Um, we squeezed in an episode in our very, very good. I said like I was gonna say in my very busy schedule after I was just saying like I'm eating <laughs> between between bouts busy. of cookies. Uh... In your busy schedules, we squeezed in a podcast. Ah, so sure did. Um, we have Brendan's mom. My mama. Woo! Shout out to mom. Way to go. Um. Yeah. Anne is. Uh. Not only is she uh, an amazing mom to Brendan, she's a great writer, uh, and yeah. she's written a series of articles. And we wanted to um, highlight her. Oh my gosh! Very. Um. Very successful. And yeah, she's such a, an eloquent writer. Her perspective on at least what we've seen so far on her Williams syndrome journey, man, as a parent, it gives you all the feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, from the parent perspective to the perspective of uh, a person, uh, an adult with Williams syndrome, uh, we had um, Haley Cuccinella and, um, and Toby Akbus come yes. on to talk about uh, an art that the an article appearing in Business Insider. Guess great because we're gonna get all these businesses that are like we want to donate to you. See how I've made That's that tighter synergy. Oh, synergy, everybody. Yep. Good job, kudos to Toby and Haley. This was a great article. If you haven't seen it, you uh, Joel, I believe, is going to post the link so you can check out the article and then listen to the podcast because it's really behind the scenes of of how that all came to be. Haley uh, also mentions in the uh, in the interview about uh, another disorder that's kind of very near uh, in gen in the genome, I guess, uh, from Williams syndrome. Uh, and she couldn't remember the name of it in the in the uh, in the interview, but it is AUTS2 syndrome. Oh, um, so that that's what she was referring to. And uh, I, I certainly haven't heard of that, but I will be looking that up. And um, but so she I just wanted to put that in there so that Haley's comments get clarify well we should tag that community so they can listen to our story yeah yeah um all right well uh let's get to let's get to the interviews um and in the interim uh happy holidays merry christmas to the two of you and yeah. happy uh, holidays to our community yeah yes. thank you thank you all dear listeners uh thank you for listening Thanks. to the show in 20 we, we launched it this year uh we appreciate everybody who has taken the time to listen uh and watch and comment and email um it means it means the world to uh i think I all speak the on positive of feedback and everything yeah. and all the you know the private messages that i've been getting from friends and fans of the show and how much it, it's just really meant a lot 
It's your destiny. Yeah, it's been really cool. And I'm very thankful for you two and uh, 2020 yep. and beyond. Let's go. Yep. Let's go. Uh, Hey, Mom, how are you? Hey, bud. Good. Doing good. Good, good. For those, so for those who don't know who you are, you are my mom, but I will let you introduce yourself and let you tell uh, everyone a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, yes, I am Brendan's mama. That is my great good fortune in this life. And uh, I I am... Uh, also a grandmother and uh, and I've done a lot of things in my life which has been sort of long um, but I started uh, out that my passion has always been writing and that's what I um, I mean I started as a reader and you know I was the, I lived in book world when I was a kid and um, then from there you know I, I just it came kind of naturally to me and when I got to college I I went into a special program that kind of fostered that a lot. And I ended up, I went to Simmons College in Boston and I ended up majoring in writing. Uh, not much creative writing, a lot of communications, history, um, you know, literature studies and things, um, and minoring in illustration. And then I got out of college and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't have anything original to say or write. So I went back to school for music which I had been just like a strummer, guitar strummer for, you know, many years. And um, I started studying jazz guitar and did that for a couple of years. And then I had some things to write about. So that's how I got back into the writing was doing um, some, you know, feature stories and journalism pieces on musicians and um, it's for local papers and some magazines and things like that. So, and then, and I, and Brendan's sister was born when I was still in, uh, right before I went back to music school, I think. And then when Brendan was born, I had, I had uh, wanted to, I had always wanted to write a children's book. That was one of my sort of like threads that I followed in college was I, they, Simmons has a, Simmons has a children's literature program and I didn't go into it. It was just kind of in the seedling stage at that point, but I, it was part of my personal independent studies and things. So um, I had I had been incubating it for a long time, and then when Brendan was born, I just I don't know, I got it just the words came back, and I felt like I had something original. So I that particular book still is not published fifty years later, or however many years, but but it got me writing, and uh, so that was um, kind of my path. Brendan was born in eighty seven. My first book was accepted in nineteen ninety one from a publisher, and then. So all through the 90s was when I was publishing. Um, so, and they were kind of across the spectrum in children's literature. I had two young adult novels that did pretty well and some middle grade novels sort of slice of life and a couple of, uh, and a fantasy trilogy about fairies, which I took sort of an elemental environmental slant on and then some, some easy readers. Um, and Brennan was always such a big supporter for me he always yeah he used to go to the post office with me to get my rejection letters and <laughs> and he but he always i can remember i said something after reading one on the steps of the post office and they said well i guess i'm just your mom and he said no you're my writer mom and i was like thank you <laughs> right i didn't know that you were a rep that was like really your career before and we're going to talk about yeah. it, your yeah. um 
what do you call them? Your essay pieces that you're writing on Williams syndrome. But I mean, well before you knew about Williams syndrome, you were you were writing. Yes, yes, yeah. all my life, all my okay. life. Really. I mean, and and I kept journals through all the years, and um, and but also, I mean, while I was writing books, I was also doing that. And um, but when Brandon was diagnosed, which was in 2000, uh, January, I think 2000. Um, that was when my, that was the year my last book was published. It was already, you know, done. It just came out in 2000. And, um, I just, I've always like been a, a research type person. So even the books that I did, I did a lot of research. Sure. Um, and, um, I, I just, I just wanted to know what, what, so this is this William syndrome, what is it? And, um, so I, there was only, there was not a whole, there was like 1500 like med lit articles at the time back then. So this would have been around 2000 and I, you know, you had to pay for them. You had to buy them through this library, which I, you know, I did. There was not, nothing like the um, availability of information that there is today, but I got the ones that I could and I started writing about Williamson and Brendan and Williamson and, you know, like just sort of like um, about every aspect of this, like, so I started trying to put things together, but, and I probably wrote about 400 pages over the years, you know? Well, I, the reason why we have you on the show is not just because you're Brendan's mom, although that is cool. That's the number one reason, right? The number two reason is because you have started to publish some of maybe the the essays that you wrote so you wrote these a while ago or did you write them recently well that's it's um i wrote the um you know parts in, two, in 2000 i had a 67 page sort of um of that period you know as much as i knew up to then so there's um and it was kind of roughly in this order and it uh sort of the um the span of time is from you know brennan's when brennan was born mm -hmm. and and then when we found out he had williams syndrome and, and we had gone to the detroit williams syndrome convention to, in 2000 yeah to no. just and and that's where we met all kinds of people and we were just like oh my god we, we didn't bring brennan with us to we didn't know what to expect and um we were like overflowing with you know information and you know, welcoming, and we were like, "Oh, we wish we brought him." And so, anyways, that's the 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 span of this. It goes to the, it's there's another seven or eight sections, um, and it's that first week at, at music camp, and then the first week in seventh grade. I want to mention that so so you recently started publishing some essays um, through a site called Medium, and I want to make sure we talk about it. It's called Being and Becoming a Williams Syndrome. Momoir, <laughs> you. Um, yeah. and I've, I followed it and I've, I've read through many of the articles. You are a great writer. Um, and, uh, I was, it's so interesting because we, you and I share a similar journey in the sense that, um, Stella wasn't diagnosed until she was five. And so I, I definitely remember, 
you know, people are like, how did you not know until she was five? Well, there were definitely things along the way, but none of them ever really culminated in a, like your child has Williams syndrome. So a lot of your articles, like, oh, we have the heart murmur. Oh, it's going away. It's going to resolve. And then, oh, now we have a hernia. Now we have a second hernia. hernia. Um, I definitely can resonate with the feelings that you have, that you explain and you describe so eloquently in your essays. Um, so I know that first, this first part is just kind of the foray into, you know, Brendan and all of the things that kind of happened before Williams syndrome. And the next part I'm assuming is going to be like that deeper dive into how many, how many have you published so far? Uh, well, actually, I think it's like 11 or 12, but oh. I, because some of them are like A, B, and C, oh, that's right. I, okay. you know, because it's, they're sort of um, topical. I mean, my, my organizational scheme is sort of, um, you know, okay, here's the first puzzle. What does this mean? And what was around that? And sort of with Brennan's development running through it and um, okay, here's another sort of puzzling thing. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to like, to, you know, I don't want to, I mean, I have an outline, it's it's all outlined and it's substantially written. And what I'm mostly doing now is going back and, you know, you, if I have a much different lens now looking at these things than yes. I did. And I have, um, I mean, I have all my journals. I have all, I have the things that I used to, I have like, you know, I have had to excavate the attic. There's so much paper there. And I just um, bought it. And while she was doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, um, you, you wrote, you're writing these essays, right? And and I figured you probably were journaling. And I, like, I admire people who journal so much. I'm always like, I should journal. And then I just, like, never do it. But it's been really important, right? So as you're writing these essays, you're looking back on yeah. those times and reading yeah. what you wrote. Yeah, and checking checking the, for accuracy of memory and, um, and just checking to see, you know, I... My, I mean, Brendan, I was 33 when Brendan was born. I was like 45 when he was diagnosed. And, you know, I'm such a different person now, you know, and I just, you know, yeah. it's been a, um, so there's certain things that, I mean, I, I, I notice that my, my voice is changing. My writer's voice is changing a little bit, not a little bit, you know, like, again, the material is so from the heart, you know, that want it to be I don't want to like sanitize the emotion out of it or anything you know I mean so it's a what really kind of happened was um this as the internet has evolved and these different writing platforms have evolved I just I I didn't I mean way back when I did a little bit of a blog on WordPress but um you know now they really have the uh sort of the um the platforms for something a piece like this that is um serial writing you know i mean like it's uh one of my things that i was really uh interested in and what uh literature was when i was in college was victorian literature and dickens and hardy and all those guys who published things serially and that's been an interesting experience for me it's like i feel like i'm committed to producing a column every week what i think is also interesting uh, about your writing is that you are writing it in the lens of like it happening so you said brendan was born in 87 
Yeah. Um, and you really didn't find out until 95. Oh, 2000. 2000. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 But then, you know, when we talk about that, as that lines up with when Williams syndrome was like discovered and when like the research and all this work, medically speaking, started uh, happening in the Williams syndrome community, it's very, it's a very similar timeline. So like you were like, yeah as everybody else was learning too. And, and like yeah. fast forward 20 years later, that's all evolved. But yeah. at the time you were just going off of what was known, which was not right. Much. Right. And so that's why I'm, you know, it's kind of, that's, it's sort of, I mean, for me, it's been, it's been a little bit of like a natural history kind of a thing, um, but it's definitely a, a memoir, memoir. Um, and so that's why, you know, the interesting thing for me and a little bit tricky to navigate here and there is going back and forth in time yes. and having it still maintain the forward flow just through reading it, you know, that's been one of the most enjoyable parts of this process for me is kind of weaving that together into something that feels current but yeah. is also you know retrospective and I always read it first I always at least read it once or twice yeah and give my feedback also and also and, uh, mothers yeah. can sometimes overshare which I yes. have not do I, I certainly have been known to do that was one of the things in one of the podcasts that you and joel were talking about you know you don't it's not we're not talking about everything because you know you shouldn't you know and i think um, right. there's it's not just privacy issues but it's also like look this is what we're talking about and yeah we know there's all this other stuff here but that's not what we're talking about right. <laughs> you know so that's, right yeah, yeah. So it's, it's been eye-opening and also really cool to like read everything and like relive those experiences i mean it is emotional and you know it it makes me feel some type of way sometimes but it's it's my truth and it i feel like it needs to be out there yeah well and i love that you include little baby photos because they're just ugh, my favorite you're like <laughs> baby brendan is so cute so cute oh, we have many upon many photos <laughs> oh yes yeah we do. We got oh. bins and bins. Right. So I love that you're sharing this journey from your perspective, because I think that's what we as parents like so desperately want to like read and hear and resonate with. Um, yeah. Like I said, I think I was reading your stuff and I'm like, oh yeah, I think I, I can imagine very vividly the feelings that you felt because I think I, although different, shared, you know, very similar feelings along the way. I don't know if you would want to share. I mean, Brendan, you shared about it before briefly, but maybe you and your mom could talk about it, just how you got diagnosed. Sixth grade was very tough um, yeah. for you. And, and just because middle school is so much tougher, there's so much mm -hmm. more. There's, the, the cognitive load is more. The organizational load is more. And kids are getting mean. They're starting to get into this hierarchy of, you know, alphas. And um, yeah. they're just... And so we were seeing a, um, a therapist to try and, you know, figure out how to cope with some of these things. And that was the first time, I mean, we, I think Brendan has talked about, you know, he has been diagnosed with ADHD and that was in uh, elementary school. And, yeah. you know, they had the Ritalin for a while. And I, I found my journal from that period of time. It was like, oh, just, we took him off at, in the summer. And that was like, He's just himself again. He's happy again. It's yeah, just it was night and day. Like it was, well, you were just was such a 
roller coaster, you know, with that was on um, such another level. It was crazy. It and, was a roller coaster for you. It was so unfair. And to be you, you know diagnosed like that, it it was sucked. Yeah, it was it was there and there was a lot of changes going on in your life at that point. You know, yeah, so we had just moved it, all kinds of things. But mm -hmm. um uh so oh so, so anyways, um by the time um we Went off, went off the room. We were seeing this counselor, and and Brendan was depressed, you know, and, and with the way yeah. things were going, this really a sad boy. And in spite of everything that it always, you know, he was a sparkly boy, you know, he used to, still is. Um, but you know, that that was the first time. I, I mean, he was just aware of differences and that he was struggling. And um, so this counselor said, you know, ignorance isn't necessarily bliss. Um, right. There may be some interventions that would be helpful to Brendan. And what he, he had not, he didn't know anything about Williams syndrome, but what he said was some uh, maybe a thing called pervasive developmental delay, not otherwise specified. But I, by that time, we had had the phone call about the special MTV from one of the teachers, um, teacher and the nurse, I think. They might have called me together. That was another fact I had to check who called first. But um, so I, I mentioned that, and he said he thought we should do the genetic testing. So we did, and um, we went to the, the genetics lab was the same hospital where he had had his all his hernia surgeries and where his heart doctor was connected with, but they didn't, you know, medical records weren't interconnected. There was no my chart or, you know, things like that back then. So they, the departments, one was one end of the campus, one was the other end of the campus. Um, so we decided, okay, we'll go have the, the test and that will be one of the, the story of Brendan's experience and what I had to do to bribe him. <laughs> um, uh, it was, oh, it was <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but I had been uh, I had to go give a, a speech for uh, one of the uh, it was actually National uh, Council of Teachers of English and the speech was about Brendan you know in, in large part it started out you know I'm seeing signs of trouble you know he was always a bad sleeper I'll, I may actually excerpt that and put it in because it was just before we knew and we hadn't gotten the test and when i came home we got the test and then in mid-january we found out so yeah. um that was the um that was and and you know that wasn't the smoothest thing either because the the information uh the facts transmittal wasn't either all the pages didn't go through to his pediatrician or i don't know maybe maybe it ran out of paper i don't know there was some missing information and we thought that we didn't have you know that we didn't have an answer he, he said no there's 46 chromosomes you know that's normal and um so we I called the wsa again for the second time and they said uh well that's okay he, he sounds enough like he has williams that we could probably help you <laughs> which was the kind of um, I don't know. I, I, I think I felt it was kind of grassrootsy back then in a wonderful way, you know? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. So, so that's grown to. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, um, I mean, again, you know, you have all of these things kind of happening, right, throughout, like, Brendan, your early um, uh, life, and then, you know, to be diagnosed at 13, and I assume your life has changed so much since then from from the diagnosis point. Um, 
So you're you're helping your mom, right? Like write yeah. these. She's writing yeah. articles. You're you're editing. What are the things that you're telling your mom, Brendan, that you want her to include, or like things that you don't want her to include? Like, what are your hot buttons? Oh, I I I just want her to tell my truth. You know, from not only my perspective but like her perspective yeah. as well. Um, and there hasn't really been anything that I've wanted edited out. You know, okay. I always read it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's it's been really cool to be a part of that whole process and be able to read it before it goes up. And, you know, it's also been really cool and really nice to see all the positive feedback. Um, it's been it's really, really been nice, you know? Yeah, because yeah. it was. It was not an easy road in many ways. No. And I'm sure you know. And I, I would say the teen years, I, they were, the struggle was real, you know. Uh, I, I it right now. <laughs> yeah. And I've always tried to not really be super vulnerable, um, you know, online and let people into my world too much. Yeah. But, not not because I don't want to, it's just, you know, boundaries and, right. you know, yeah, all those kinds of things. But it's really cool to, like, have my mom tell my truth in a different light, in a different positive way. I'm really yeah. appreciative of it. Well, I, you know, looking back through these um, old eyes <laughs> with glasses, <laughs> um, I, I tend to try and find the positive yeah where because i just think it's a better way to do life um well believe it or not i think we're already at our end of our time i just want to say like i've always had this mindset like yes i am disabled but i don't let my disability define me or who i am as a person and also i've always been a type of person to be like well if you put you can do anything if you put your mind to it disabled or not you know so that's that's what i wanted to say well that's awesome and i totally agree with you and i hope that more um people in general have that same mindset so i love this i love you and your mom like doing this together i love I love this perspective that you're sharing with us, Anne. Um, and you guys are, again, just like spreading awareness, right, through like new and creative avenues. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I um, I just, I love this podcast, you know, in no, many ways, you know. And even if I wasn't, sure. even if I wasn't blessed with my co-hosting son, I would still love it. And you do a fabulous job. Hey, Toby. Hey, Haley. How are you guys? Good. Hi, Hi everybody. Happy to be here. Awesome. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. So for those who don't know who you two are, why don't you guys uh, both introduce your yourselves and tell everyone a little bit about yourselves and what you do. Sure. Um, Toby, I can go first if you'd like. So I'm Haley Cuccinello. Um, I'm a finance reporter at Business Insider. I've been here for about three years. Before that, I was at Forbes for five. Um, so you're probably thinking, why on earth did this lady write about Williams syndrome if she covers finance? Um, but, you know, I've always had an interest in psychology. And in college, I, um, you know, I was a research assistant with, uh, with children with suicidal ideation. So when this opportunity came to write about um, 
you know, this wonderful, remarkable community I, I left at it. And I am Toby Akbash. I am 22 and I have volume syndrome and uh, I'm a firefighter. I have, um, and I am also a secondary black belt in karate. So I've been doing that for firefighting six years, karate around 12 to 13 years. So yes, that is me. And <laughs> you a- both are in New York? Yes. So the article, you guys, that, as you mentioned, Haley, you wrote an article that just was published um, recently about Williams syndrome. And really the, um, the I guess, main person that you interviewed um, or shadowed was, was Toby. And you're right. This So you said, the minute you said, I'm a finance writer, I'm like, how... How did you, on earth did you get this topic? So I would love to hear, like, how did this topic come up for the insider in the first place? Um, and how did it then sure. trickle its way into your lap? Sure. So we were, um, as a newsroom, asked to write about uh, modern loneliness. And, you know, there's a lot of reporting about that. I think um, there's even some reports out there that like 30% of Americans don't trust each other. You know, and there's so many factors that feed into loneliness. And at first I was kind of like, okay, I could write about AI girlfriends or dating apps or, you know, there's like a lot of, when you're, you know, I've been doing this for, I guess, eight, nine years now as a reporter, I can kind of like see the angles in my head. And I was like, you know, nothing really feels quite right or unique. And then I thought of, um, you know, people with Williams syndrome. I watched a lot of videos of people with Williams on SBSK, which is, fantastic Uh, platform um and i was like i don't know if they'll let me do this i was like really i was like they might say like what on earth is this disorder what on earth are your credentials to write this how on earth are you going to use a rare genetic condition to as a lens for like the human condition (laughs) you know um but i pitched it the best I could I um you know and I knew from the the get-go like I needed a a star you know a hero of the story and I think it was around August and I went on Facebook and like uh, I'm a professional stalker right as a reporter and (laughs) I was looking at folks about Williams syndrome and I think that was the month after that special day where like the digits of the dates line up with that gene deletion right um or something like that yeah and I just saw Toby's photo and his post. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a very long post, but it was just him standing in front of, I think it was like a Compass Realty storefront. Uh, and he's wearing a striped shirt. And I was just like, yeah, I think this is the guy. I think this is good. Uh, you know, you just sort of, it is, you can't really explain it as a reporter. You just, you know, and then I found out more and that sort of solidified it. The firefighting thing, also living pretty close to me thing, made it a lot easier. Um, and so being at, you know, age 22 um, seemed really appropriate as well, because I, you know, a lot of stories about Williams syndrome focus on children, um, which is great. Um, but I really wanted to focus on the story of adults and picking someone who was kind of in between the two um, felt right. And then fortunately, um, I got the full support of the newsroom to do it. And I'm really glad it happened. So you stalked Toby and then mm-hmm. 
that you reached out to him and you were like, I want to do this article. Toby, like when you first got contacted by Haley, what was, what was your thought? So I wasn't first contacted by Haley, my okay. fire chief. My fire chief contacted me and was like, hey, so I'm calling you for a good reason. And um, he's like, there's this um there's this person from insider who wants to do a story about you and like william syndrome and stuff like that and i was in from the moment i heard about it and uh i was very excited because you know you guys have had Callie true love on here you've had alexandra birch you've had a lot of different people on here yeah. that i know of and for for me to actually get the opportunity to share my story a little bit and have it published in a big article is something that I never thought of that would happen. And now that it is that it actually did happen, it's crazy. I mean, I've enjoyed every minute of doing that article. And yeah, so it was exciting. It was definitely an exciting thing. I'm glad to hear. You were being like, peppered with questions. Yeah, yeah. You were like, let's go, let's do this. So you yes. guys met? Yes. Okay. We talked on Zoom, like on Google Meet, and then a couple weeks later, I, I went up to Garrison, New York to, to see Toby and his family. Okay. How far is that from you? Um, it's about an hour on the train. Um, so pretty, pretty easy, especially because like Toby, I can't drive. So that <laughs> yeah. was quite convenient. You can't, you can't drive or you don't want to drive? I don't know how to. Okay. Um, so hopefully one day I will learn. I'm 31. There's still time. There's uh, still time. But yeah. <laughs> I think that you really did a good job of touching on some of the challenges of um, what it's like living with a, a super friendly, highly social personality um, especially in this fast-paced world. So I'd love to hear you two, you and Toby, talk about um, just how you structured, like how you decided on the content, what your first impressions were of meeting each other, and and how you decided to be so open and honest to talk about some of the, the things that come with being an adult with a disability. I can speak to the picking the content and sort of structuring it, and then Toby, you can tell me all about what it was like to to meet this person, have her pry into every aspect of your life. Uh, if that sounds good. Yes. Um, so, you know, story structure, that's something you kind of, you know, figure out after the main reporting trip. But I knew that I wanted to explore the growth from childhood to adulthood with a focus on the unique challenges of adulthood. And when I approached Toby and his mom, you know, I, I did make it pretty clear that I, this is a story about William syndrome and loneliness. You know, this wasn't a story just about William syndrome. I think that's, you know, there's a lot of really wonderful articles about William syndrome and it touches on that obviously, but I wanted to be very clear, like, this is not a story about how happy and wonderful it is all the time to have Williams. It's about a challenge and about a specific aspect of it. And um, Toby and his family have been wonderful about being open and honest about, um, you know, their experiences and their hopes and their dreams and, and everything in between. So, you know, as a reporter, that makes my job a lot easier when the, the subjects are um, so warm and welcoming and ready to be vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. And Toby, you're, you were, again, you were all like, just, I'll do whatever you say, Haley, right? 
<laughs> I, I'm gonna speak about when um so when we for when when we first when I first knew that she was coming to the house, I was a little apprehensive at first because sure. um the thing with my anxiety is like new people, new places. I don't really do well with that until yeah. I get comfortable. And I was thinking, hmm, there's this person that's coming to my house, which I know about, but the questions, the the questions were a lot to answer. Like there was so many questions to answer. <laughs> and yes. yeah. And at some times I had to really think about what I wanted to say because there was a lot of there was a lot of thinking. And I think a lot before. Like, you have to, when you're talking to anyone, really, you just have to think about what you're, you're going to say, because, like, I'm a sensitive person. Like, anything that, any, like, thing that I find that is not good could pose a threat and be, like, I could get emotional from it. So I never knew what was going to be asked. And, but as the days, as the three days went by, I trusted her because I knew what she was doing and my family knew what she was doing also. So it was easier to go from there at first. The first day was a little, first day I had anxiety, I'll be honest. I mean, the first day was anxious, you know, ready to do this. And then the second, the second day was just like, okay, it's easy. It's an easy day, nothing too crazy. Um, then the she actually came to my firehouse and my dojo that I was talking about um, in the beginning. So she came to the dojo and met all of my instructors that I work with on a daily on a daily basis. I mean, they were so open and honest from what I heard. And uh, being in the um, being with my chief, who I've known for a very long time, he was also very open and honest about things that he's gathered from my experience from the firehouse and everything. To have that, to have that both together is a great thing. And I don't want, I. Trust me, I would, if anybody had the opportunity to do this again, I, if I had the opportunity to um, be interviewed by SBSK, which I've wanted for so long, like I've been looking into that for so long, and that would be really cool to have happen. And just, uh, but yes, I was anxious and I was not ready. And then I became, I became my regular self after a while and was just okay with it. So yeah, it was just, just. Do you see, yeah. Toby, do you see, um, like, or if you can remember when you were younger, do you think that you have, your anxiety has gotten worse as you've gotten older? Um, have you noticed that as you've gotten older, that you're just more discerning of who you let in? Yes, I have trust issues from different things. And I think once I had one, when I was younger, I was okay. I was not as anxious as I am now. To be honest, every day I'm waking up anxious and it feels like, it feels like I can't understand why I'm waking up anxious, but it's just the thing that happens. And I like today, I was like, okay, I have this going on today, this going on today. So I knew I had stuff going on, but my head, my mind just gets in the way of things a lot of the time. And it just causes me to just overthink. And I think that's what the problem is. And I just have to breathe through it. And it's hard to do that sometimes. And I think Brendan can also attest to that because we've 
we both are in the same, both have the same thing. And I guess that might happen with him. I don't know. I mean, honestly. Yeah, it, it can be tough sometimes, you know, especially like if I have like a stomachache for whatever reason, then I get like really anxious and I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah. and then it goes on for like the whole entire day. It doesn't make anything better. It doesn't, it doesn't solve no. anything. I, I just get in my head a little bit and then I just realize, okay, you're fine. Chill out, relax. Everything's cool. You're not going to get sick again. Don't worry about it. Just let it go. And then I let it go. And it's fine. I'm like, dude, go. <laughs> As I started to look out, um, across like, the life spectrum of people with Williams syndrome, I definitely think um, I see adults, like you were saying, Haley, like struggling with Williams, so with Williams syndrome, struggling with loneliness, struggling with anxiety, um, struggling with some, with isolation to some degree. And it is so hard as a parent. Um, one of the things I, I'm going, when I, when I read your article, one of the things that you mentioned in it was how you had left Toby and you found yourself like missing your interactions, right? Like, um, and and I was so glad that you wrote that part in or kept that part into your article. I know it was much larger and you had to edit it down. <laughs> but in the Williams syndrome and community in general, there is so much there, right? There's so much care. There's so much concern. There's so much genuine genuineness and authenticity. And I mean, I can come off of a call with adults with Williams syndrome feeling like so happy and so positive and so cared for and so loved. And it's it's because people with Williams syndrome, I think, really do care about the people they're interacting with. And they have this unique ability to connect, right? So when you as a person are willing to connect and meet them where they where they are, um, you get so much more in return. And so like I said, I love that you that you talked about that because I think oftentimes in society we're scared of that interaction because we don't know how it's going to work or if it's going to be clunky in terms of building a friendship with somebody with a disability. But, you know, for you, I'm sure you were surprised because when you did reach out and you made that connection, there was something there that, um, I don't know, made you feel, um, connected and yeah. important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, I think one of the first, um, you know, Toby gave me a tour of his house and whatnot. And then I think we described this in the story, you know, Toby gave me a Toby tip was, you know, get, you know, get out of your comfort zone. And he acknowledged he was out of his comfort zone. And then he kind of picked up on, I think, a little bit of my anxiety, because, you know, I haven't really done a reporting trip like this in, in a long time, partly because of COVID, partly because with business stories, it's usually not as necessary. Um, <laughs> but and he said, and maybe you're out of your comfort zone, too. And I was like, this guy's it's pretty perceptive. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and I mean, I did know, you know, from watching a lot of videos and the documentary and reading a lot that there were going to be moments that really touched me. Um, and, you know, there were going to be, um, you know, I, I, there are some things that I'd also spoken to a couple people with Williams syndrome, I think, before I visited Toby, including Brendan. Okay. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, when I left, um, when I left Garrison pretty quickly, I was like, you know, it's really nice being able to spend so much time with somebody that's just really invested in your presence and, 
it's not just because of like who I am or, you know, because of his story, it's just because of who Toby is, which is this yeah. remarkable, caring person, you know. Um, and, you know, Toby is discerning and, you know, he does, you know, he does have some trust issues. But the truth is that Toby, you also, I think you have this kind of unconditional um, care, let's say, for, for other people. I would, definitely, so true. I would definitely agree with the caring part because I've throughout my life, you know, there's been there's been people who have come and gone and just been been there for specific parts. But even though they came when they came and left when they did you know i still care because they made that impact on me that i can make on them so it was nice to it's always nice to care and just be like okay i know what this person's going through like i can understand that and yeah it's very nice to have that caring understanding feeling from both sides of me and Haley both so the article came out like I mentioned a few days ago How, what has your experience been since then I'm sure Toby you're blowing up yeah yeah I want to hear Toby's um story first I'm sure Toby's an influencer now with five brand deals <laughs> and he's going to get a documentary and I just want to hear all about it so I can be like I'm the first one to discover him. Um. So the thing about the story coming out at the good at a good time was because I was it just came out on uh Wednesday night and I went to so my brother surprised me with Trans Siberian Orchestra tickets for a Wednesday night show and I've never been but that was such a great show and then you know having the Having the story happen at the having the story come out in the same day was overwhelming at first. Like I wasn't I was anxious about it coming out. I wasn't sure what was gonna be on there. You never like the things I said, I said. And who knows if it's gonna be on the story, but um yeah. just to see the like the past twenty-four to thirty-six hours have been a lot of love and a lot of care and just really crazy things that I was not expecting at first. I thought that, okay, this is going to go out and that's it. You know, it's not gonna, this, we worked on this so long for so long and, no. but my headspace was at the wrong, wrong place at that time. Now I realize that it's very, it's crazy. I'm getting messages left and right, talking about anxiety, talking about, you know, how much impact are the stories made on other people. And it's just great because that's what I was hoping from it. I was hoping that, you know, even you guys with William syndrome that will watch this, um, you guys have anxiety just like me and you might deal with it differently. But I hope that what I said kind of gave you a glimpse of how I deal with it and how I can, how you guys can help me in the future. Because there will be times where my anxiety gets too bad and that I don't, I won't even know what to do. So, um, but yes, I think that this was the topping on the cake for early Christmas presents left and right. I mean, you know, this is, this has been such a great experience and I look forward to the next couple of days seeing what happens with the story and how it goes and just looking on my Facebook with the with a surprised face and being like, whoa, this is crazy. Because <laughs> that's been my reaction every time. Seeing my friends share it and then their friends share it and just go 
you know, go bonkers, which, which is something that doesn't happen a lot with me. I don't get a lot of things that go crazy in the same day amount of time frame. So it's just, it's amazing. It's really amazing to see that our store, you know, my store and what Haley and her team did really worked out. So yeah, it really is amazing. Well, get used to it, Tobes, because you're a celebrity now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, popular in our community, but yeah. but now we're shooting but you now, out to the rest of the world. It's gonna skyrocket, yeah. bro. It's going to go from here to like up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, you know, Toby and his parents spent a lot of time answering questions and obviously with the visit over these months. And I'm really glad to hear that uh, after all those questions, the outcome has been worth it um, yeah. and been rewarding. On my end, you know, I've gotten a few messages from parents. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, they're very touching. You know, one woman wrote in, saying that her middle-aged son with Williams, that she feels like she can really understand him better mm-hmm. um, and his challenges. And she thinks that it will help her be more patient with him in the future. And she's very thankful. Interestingly, I've also gotten two messages from moms of kids with um, this very rare genetic um, deletion that isn't Williams syndrome, but the g- genes deleted are right next to the ones okay. deleted with Williams. It might, I don't think, maybe it is. Um, I, I should really look it up on my phone. Um, but, um, and they said, you know, there's very little information about it. Most of the research is on like zebra fish and mice. And they said like, you know, I think one said, you know, this story is the closest thing. We'll get to a time machine to know what my son will be like. And it will help me advocate for him in school because, you know, I don't want him to have a educational experience where it's him just separate from everybody. He loves people. He really wants to, um, you know, meet other kids in school and not be excluded. And she was like, I really appreciate having something I can show people to, you know, convince the school system that like he deserves more. Um, So that's been really tremendous for me. Let me put it this way. When I profiled the new CEO of Morgan Stanley, this did not happen. Um, So it's it's been very, it's been very touching for me to to get all of this. My hope really, and I'm sure you've heard this from many parents, is that, you know, as our kids grow up, we want them to be a part of the community. And and you mentioned it in the article, and I did want to touch on it, that, you know, like, not just a part of the community, like, hey, there's Stella, or there's Toby, and, you know, they're in our community, right? But like, we, I want Stella to be asked to go to the movies. I want Stella to go to the bar when she's 21 and have drinks with her friends. How do we get people to embrace those with disabilities um, beyond surface level? That is a wonderful question that I do not know how to answer. All I can sort of is speak to my perspective. I mean, we all have the choice to include people with disabilities more in our lives. Um, We all have that choice. It doesn't mean that it is always easy or the most natural thing like that is something that as a reporter and as like a person I you know took a lot of care and research into that before I sort of embarked on this and I think that's sort of what you know people who you know want to to be more inclusive that's something it's okay to kind of admit like you know I don't really 
is this going to offend you, right? Or is this something I shouldn't do? Or like, what should I do if X, Y, and Z happens? Like just sort of having the humility to admit that, um, you know, you don't maybe know how to handle the situation all the time and also be willing to, you know, accept that maybe something might happen. You'll have to apologize or you'll have to figure out how to, to handle it differently. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but I guess it's just taking the time to research things and prepare and just be willing to have moments that are not perfect or to learn, you know, anyways, that's my I love that. No, that's, that's perfect. I, yeah. I always can talk about it from my perspective as a mom, right? But I think yeah. it's important for somebody like, but I'm connected to this person. So I'm like, yeah. let me tell you all the things that I think that um, make it easy to befriend a person with disability. But but I'm a, I'm a parent of a person with a disability. So I think sometimes my view is poo-pooed. So having your, in everything you said was right, right? Like it's okay to embark on a, friendship that isn't perfect, that you're learning, that you, um, is going to take time, right? Maybe even more time than like a traditional friendship. But, um, if you're willing to invest the work and be patient, not only, you know, in the relationship, but with yourself, right. Um, that it's, it's going to pay dividends. So I, I think your answer was spot on. Well, what's, so what's next? I know we have to wrap up. Um, but do you guys want to share any last thoughts about the article or what you, what you want people to take away from it? I think what what I want people to take away from this article is that is that that people with disabilities can change things a lot, change lives a lot too. Yeah. Um, just from just from me speaking about anxiety and how that's impacted me a lot has really helped other people. And I'm like, I get what you're saying there. It's just again, I've said it a lot of times today, but it's just been amazing to see people reaching out and just being like, This is what your story did for me. And um what I wanna see happen in the future with this story is um i might do a meet and greet at the convention in phoenix because a lot of people have been saying that they want to meet want to meet and just like but what i want to see happen is that it grows more and gets shared more and this episode gets shared throughout the community also to to show that um you know even with my different challenges with karate and firefighting being challenges a lot too you know you still have you're still able to do things but one tip i have one tip i have for everybody is don't um we say this a lot in my friend groups listen to your heart not your head because the heart both can both can cause a little bit of not sure like uh uncomfortable feelings and i think that um mostly i think with my heart and my head at the same time sometimes so if you're thinking about a hard decision think with the heart because that will help you understand what you have to do more 
uh that's it for me honestly and that's it's the toastastic gonna... tip of the day that is i think that is the tip of the day yes that is my tip of the day think with here no think with here not with here <laughs> here right here bud <laughs> yes right here you know this story as i mentioned you know it's gone from seven thousand word to 3500 and while i'm so pleased that so many people have written in to say that you know it's comprehensive and really captured so many things I just want to acknowledge, like, you know, I hope that this is sort of a starting point to talk about more of the complexities in the community. Like, I, you know, it's unfortunate I didn't really get to talk about the fact that there's autistic people in yes. the William Center community. I didn't yeah. really get to touch a lot on the experiences of people with higher support needs. Um, and, you know, that was, those were things I learned about. And I learned about other, you know, sort of issues that the community faces and other sort of intersectional issues. And, um, you know, if I could, I'd, I'd write a book. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that, you know, those people exist and they are worthy. And I hope that um, that other people can can help spread awareness of that. Now, I want to thank um, Haley and her team again for making this happen. And my friends in the Williams Syndrome community, my friends who are not in the Williams Syndrome community, but support me every day doing what I love to do. Thank you all so much. Uh, I'm beaming with happiness right now. This means a lot. You've been listening to The Starry-Eyed Effect, presented by the Williams Syndrome Association. The show is hosted by Jennifer Keaton and Brendan Lemieux, and produced by me, Joel Listman. Theme song by Tommy Barbarella and Mariella Elm. Got a question for the show? Email us at podcast at williams-syndrome.org. Video version of the podcast available on the Williams Syndrome channel on YouTube. Review us on Apple Podcasts, and maybe it will get featured on a future episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to The Starry-Eyed Effect wherever you get your podcast delights. Yeah.